Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we got some people running late, so give us a couple minutes here. Um, Dave should be on shortly, and same with Brett. And we'll get going. Sorry about that, everyone. Uh, had a very old uh, family friend stop by at the very last second, uh, so I was just uh, seeing them out. But uh, all right, let me get my bearings. I apologize again. <clears throat> Haven't seen him in uh, I think like four years now. So uh, let's just make sure we have everyone on. We got Ben. We got Jose. We got. Chris, Justin, and um, oh, Brett. <laughs> All right, he's the worst. Why do we let him in here? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, thank you all for being with us for tonight's episode. Uh, we're going to be talking about unit um, NCU and unit uh, ratio and uh, amount of activation. So, what I mean by ratio is you know, sometimes you do <clears throat> three uh, NCUs and only four combat units, five combat units, two NCUs. Sometimes you're lucky enough to fit more than that in there. Uh, it's kind of something you got to play around with. But uh, so that's what I'm shooting for for tonight's episode. Uh, our special guest tonight is Ben from Blitz Minis. I appreciate you coming on uh, for, I believe, the second time. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's really, it's really an honor. Yeah, no problem. I was, uh, I kind of wanted someone uh, from a different part of the world on for this episode to kind of give your take and on, you know, how your uh, tournament scene or just your uh, your games go in general for the ratio and whatnot. So uh, we'll start off by uh, just going over the ratio and. Uh, we'll start with you, Ben. Kind of how uh, how's it out there as far as how many units or NCUs and whatnot you see? Um, whew, it's been a long time since we've had a tournament. Uh, I think that's probably fairly common around the world now. Uh, but when we were playing, we were still seeing everyone bringing about uh, trying to bring minimum of three NCUs and. Uh, seven activations was really the minimum that we had. Uh, six activations never really made it. So it was always seven, three NCUs was the minimum, and your stocks would be at about nine to ten. And activations, man. Uh, I mean, I think I brought it up when the Wolves became worth VP that people were still going to bring a lot of Wolves because the activation count was what really made them just go on turbo overdrive. So I myself, uh, if you're talking about ratio of points, when I play a 40-point game and I was playing Lannisters, seven activations, I would still have 13 points on NCUs. Uh, I don't normally bring Sparrow, so I would bring Walder, Cersei, and Tyrion, and that was 13 points. So still a fairly large portion of my force um, just taking the board, and one of them can't can't activate every other turn because when I go second, I only get two board, uh, two spaces on the NCU board. So 
that's how it is in Asia. Uh, I think Germany is pretty much the same as well. Uh, three NCUs is like a must. Um, how about the US? Is 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 three NCU meta uh, the thing now? Um, I'd say it's people are more uh, warming up to it. I find myself <clears throat> I'm still in the boat that I don't like sacrificing my number of units on the field to boost uh, going to three NCUs, but I've found myself more willing to sacrifice my uh, attachment points in order to get that third NCU in there. Uh, for example, with uh, a lot of my Baratheon lists, usually just have my field commander in a unit on like five units and then three NCUs. Uh, or if I have the MCU commander, then sometimes I'll try to work uh, some attachment points in there. But um, I usually don't uh, – I still don't make lists where I will take out a unit um, if I'm strapped for points in order to have a, the third MCU. So, But I'm getting there. Uh, we'll see how it kind of shapes out in my end. Uh, what about you, Brett? I know you're from – not too far from us, but uh, still, you know, you got your own kind of tournament scene out there. Hey, yeah, I just uh, I want to preface by saying thanks for coming on uh, as well. Uh, it's always really nice to have you on here and hear from you. I know you're a really big tournament player. Um, and then I'll I'll also add that most of my recent uh, play has been some of this hybrid meta with the uh, with the U.S. the Australians and uh, some of the Euro, Euro guys. So almost everything that I've faced has been three NCU, and I've kind of leaned into that style of building as well. Um, however, in, in speaking towards uh, Indy, I know that uh, Gary, one of, our, one of our meta guys, has started to give in a little bit to the three NCU build. Um, he tends to run three when he's got an um, NCU commander, which is, I think it's pretty standard when people run an NCU commander, they go ahead and, and bring the three. But uh, there are still guys that are that are running two, and they're still doing okay. They're doing fine. Um, but, I mean, obviously we've covered how the three NCU versus two NCU did, but I guess I'm a glutton for punishment because one of my lists for our indie event is five combat unit, two NCU. So we will see. Nice. Yeah, so for my main list, what I tried uh, doing was <clears throat> I moved some points around with uh, my attachments, uh, and in doing so, I lost uh, Rickon with Summer, or sorry, with Shaggy Dog, but I made up that activation by then being able to run a third NCU um, without losing, I mean... My list is already only four combat units for my main Stark list, so losing uh, another unit is kind of out of the question. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so my uh, my list is is comprised of uh, four combat units, two wolves, which I don't count as combat units. I still count them as activations, obviously, but I don't count them as a combat unit in the for the purposes of army strength. So. Uh, four combat units, two wolves, and two NCUs. So worked it around, so now it's four combat units, one wolf, and uh, three NCUs. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. 
I've also, though, been a lot of my games with my main list, I've been already playing with uh, the new rules for the dervishes to kind of see the combo there, but that's that's probably for another uh, show. <clears throat> um, let's go to uh, Chris. I know you're huge on, you know, more of the casual side and just beating, uh, beating everyone's face in with your combat stuff. How do you feel about the spending the extra points for the NCUs rather than on your, uh, on your table forces? Well, as a primarily free folk guy, I have access to a little more cheaper NCUs. So I kind of tend to run the three on those just because I can afford it and still throw out a decent amount of combat present on the field. I mean, we're talking Raiders here, so it's nothing to, you know, balk at, but it's still decent and it's throwing out some activations there. But when we were testing out Targaryens, I just couldn't afford to do a third NCU, and they don't have the NCU commander or anything. So I just was running two NCUs for them, and then, what was it? five combat units and they they performed fine so I think with the right stuff that they can um, do fine so it's all I think it really just depends on what army you're using so how about uh, Justin I know with you doing neutrals, I know you've been playing a lot of Baratheons lately, but as far as uh, all your experience with neutrals, how do you feel about the situation? Because I know neutrals don't have any three-point NCUs, so it makes it a bit tougher unless you're running uh, Roost. So I've definitely uh, been one of the people who's jumped on the three NCU wagons. Um, I always kind of felt that um, well, not bad, but Neutrals really weren't ever helped in the um, activation department. Like having eight activations as neutrals is basically just cutthroats or like Stormcrow soldiers or Stormcrow mercs, or I guess if you brought like a bunch of skirmishers, I don't know anyone who does that. But uh, so I've definitely jumped on the three, and it is it has been amazing for me to keep up with activations and uh, the way I use batch of drills is I really target like a weak unit really early to take out an activation so I find myself more often than not now able to jump ahead in activations quite early because I start with uh, I think it's like 8 activations with my roost list and I want to say I still have 8 activations with my Ramsey list um, and now when I when I start building my list the first thing I do is I add in um, well my options are you know great. I usually add in Varus, and then if I need Littlefinger or Tycho, or with my Roosless, I throw in Walder, because nobody likes fighting Roos and Walder at once. <laughs> so I, I jumped on that pretty quickly. Probably, uh, Brett probably influenced it a little bit. But I still make some lists, because, I mean, our meta up here, obviously, Dave, for so long, we played just two NCUs. Like, everyone had two NCUs, except, like, no, pretty much everyone. Even if you had an NCU commander, you just had a lot more dudes on the field. And it works, I think, if you are able to keep your units alive, but that's not something that neutrals excel at. They just excel at hitting things first really hard and then dying. That's, that's pretty much that. 
Yeah, I, I've been uh, pretty set on two NCUs for a while, so um, I'm definitely trying to give three NCUs for my play style a fair shake. See, I'm in the boat that <clears throat> I'm willing to acknowledge uh, that three NCUs is probably the better build than two, but you have to understand, uh, to, you know, the listeners out there, it really comes down to your play style. Um, if three NCUs just does not suit your play style and you find yourself uh, hampered by by the decision, then by all means, run two. Um, so it's just because something is generally stronger for you know the masses does not mean that it will benefit you more by doing it. Uh, and then we'll jump over to lastly, Jose. How, you know between I know you've kind of dabbled in quite a few different armies, so you have uh, a good amount of experience with building lists with uh, like four armies at this point. Uh, how would you? How do you feel about the two versus three NCUs? Um, well, I mean, I think what Chris said has a lot of merit that it depends on the army you're playing. Um, and Justin too, he mentioned that, you know, some, some armies are better at keeping units alive than others. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, I think like you guys have said that the meta for us was always two, but like, uh, it's slowly transitioned to three in my opinion. Uh, for me personally, I need at least minimum seven activations. Like, so um, I need, yeah, I mean, so usually I, usually I still run two NCUs and then um, five units. Uh, and then uh, depending on, depending on uh, what commander I'm using, so if I'm using an NCU commander, I'll, obviously I'll fit in three, no problem. But I never really build a list usually around having three NCUs. Usually I just try and aim for two. Um, and then I also tend to do what you do, Dave, is give up uh, attachments to have better, like, you know, more, uh, better NCUs, in my opinion. So, like, they're worth more points, usually. Um, I, obviously, in a perfect world, I would love to have five units and three NCUs, but that's very hard to do with most armies. Um, so, I think usually I shoot for two NCUs and five, five units in the field, at least. Yeah, I find, um, you know, when to anyone out there that uh, is playing two NCUs and uh, find it, you know, hard to run that third one, uh, just, you know, in casual games, just, just build your list with the NCUs already there, then start filling in your combat units. You'll find it a bit easier to justify it, uh, to at least get the games in to try it out, because... A lot of the time, it's taking that first step, uh, you know, with that type of play style. Because I know when I first uh, started playing the game, I just felt that anything more than eight points into NCUs was too much. Anything more. Um, and so I lived by the rule that I never spent more than eight points, so two four-point NCUs. And then if I ran the... Uh, NCU commander, depending on what ability it had, I'd usually run two or three. So like Roos, I usually still wanted to run three because of his replacement ability, but like Holland or uh, High Sparrow had good enough abilities on their own that 
I'd run only two uh, I'd and save the extra points. You know, if you're running High Sparrow and Picel, I mean, that's, that's 37 points into your combat units. And though you're, you could argue that you're sacrificing a lot on the tactics board, those two NCUs still bring a lot to the table. And you have 37 points on the field. You really have to then uh, focus on the field and know that you're going to have to make up for it there. But um, if you're playing two NCUs and you just can't see yourself running three because of how many points you're spending, you just kind of have to play a bunch of games and give it a try, you know, give it a fair shake the way I've been trying to, uh, because you never know, maybe it is much better for you. Maybe it's worse. Maybe it's just not your style, or maybe you realize that it works way better than you imagined it would be. Uh, so, Brett, uh, how many activations would you say is average? Not counting free folk, just because uh, free folk kind of are on their own table. Um, average? I've played a whole lot of houses, and I've played a whole lot of different players. Like I said, I was abusing TTS for a long time. From what I've seen... Um, Lannisters are hanging out around seven, maybe eight. Uh, if the mountain that rides is allowed, you, you usually see eight, but it's most often seven. I know that uh, Joffrey has come into being really, really popular, and the majority of the lists that I see with him are seven activations with the Kingsguard, obviously a six-point very elite unit, so you're able to squeeze some other really good stuff in there. Um Baratheons tend to hang out around the seven to eight mark as well. It depends on on what they're if they bring flayed men or if they kind of fill it out with wardens and and then the three NCUs. Um, um, uh, Starks are they seem to be a, a minimum of eight and upwards of you know ten and eleven. Uh, you said to leave free folk out. I, I think like Justin said. Um, Neutrals are also around seven to eight. So I think, I guess for the most part, with the exception of Starks and Free Folk, and occasionally you'll see a Baratheon list that kind of spams uh, Wardens and Cutthroats and brings, you know, 10 points in NCUs. They can get up to nine doing that. But um, outside of that, I think seven to eight is is pretty normal, and it's the most common. Um, I think it's, honestly, the Starks and the Free Folk that are driving uh, a lot of the activation choices and the meta choices because being out-activated 10 or 11 to 7 all the time makes for a pretty rough game. So in, in my honest opinion, I think that's where the 3 NCU meta really found its footing was because, you know, people, Free Folk were really dominant, especially for a long time, and then I think the Starks kind of started to counter that. And then once you had the Starks and the Free Folk, then everybody started to have to follow suit because those, in my opinion, are the two dominant factions right now. So with that, with that being said, let me ask everyone here a question: How, how are you guys comfortable with like when, when you when you play a game? How comfortable are you guys giving up a unit on the field for MCU and think like, oh, you'll be good? So, to, so in other words, like. If you normally have five units and two NCUs, how comfortable would you feel having three, uh, three NCUs and four units? Like if you just make that switch. 
Well, I now I'm having Reuters. <laughs> oh man, everyone's talking. <laughs> Take we all waited for everyone else. <laughs> well, uh, we'll let Ben. Uh, we'll let Ben jump in on that question first. <laughs> um. So I think I think what's important is that, uh, and I think everyone's kind of said it in one way or the other, is that it it is a meta thing. It's not a game design thing. So if your entire community is playing two NCUs, you wouldn't see the need to bring three. But it's only because you bring two and you face an opponent with three that you realize why you need to bring three. So in in a tournament setting, if you bring two then um, particularly against armies like Starks, which can use a open zone to be a sudden charge, you would find that a real vulnerability, especially when you go first and you take either the swords or something else. If you're playing against a Stark player and they've got Sansa and they've got sudden charge, they could potentially sudden charge you twice and you couldn't block that at all. So it's a meta thing. Um, and so once once the meta that you're in or that you play in uh, starts to bring three, you're going to realize you want three as well. Um, in the tournament setting, if I see somebody with two NCU lists, I will bring my Gregor list because there will be no way that you can stop um, the uh, orders to destroy. So for me, I always... I always drop a unit and bring three just so I can block off that possibility. There are also a whole slew of other things that some commanders can do to replace zones. So that's just me. But, you know, I, I'm in the meta, so I can't see a way out of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say uh, I agree with that, that it really will come down to your meta. I can say that I've faced three NCUs uh, quite a bit, but I wouldn't say a majority, but whenever I do, I don't know, maybe it's just my mindset that I get into the mindset that I know with them having three that I can take advantage of the what's on the field. I can take uh I can let them have the advantage on the board and I or on the tactics board and I will try to make up for it for the advantage on the field. Um but I feel like something like that, you just, you have to get in the mindset and you really have to become very, uh, I guess, strategic in the sense that the tactics board is all about, you know, almost like a checkers, you know, you go, they go, you go, they go taking spots and getting effects on the field. You have a lot more units and a lot more positioning and a lot more things that need to go on. Not to say that the tactics board isn't amazing and has a huge influence, um, but you have to take, uh, you know, you got to work with your strengths. If you're going to run two NCUs uh, and you're in a meta with a lot of uh, three NCU lists, you're really going to have to make up for it on the field. Um, but as far as uh, the question of dropping a unit, um, it depends how many units I started with to begin with um, and how strong they are. So my main Stark list has only four units to begin with. And obviously I'm not going to drop down to three units because I feel like that would just be suicide unless I guess you're three uh, unsullied swordmasters. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the list. Now, if I'm at five, let's say the ratio is five combat units and two NCUs, will I drop uh, a combat unit in order to have an NCU? I personally wouldn't. I would rather have, in most cases, unless the four remaining combat units are really strong. So, like, in my Stark list, all of my combat units are very, you know, they hit very hard and they will help me to take out my opponent's units to help me with the activation difference. But if I'm like a mid-range or defensive army, I definitely don't want to be running less combat units. But if I'm super offense, then I usually don't mind running four. And then that's why I've been experimenting with the third NCU in there rather than the attachment points. But what do you think, uh, Justin? I, th- I thought I heard maybe you were trying to talk when when he asked the question. No, that's when Brett answered the question. And I'm not... Oh, no, no, it is when you know, Brett interrupted. That's what it was. Thanks, Brett. And I kind of forgot what I was going to say. But <laughs> I had to say I completely agree about what you said when it comes to defensive and offensive armies and what you want to do. Uh, like as as Boltons, I am very comfortable with my ability to be able to knock out activations from my opponent. But playing Baratheons, I play very high activation Baratheons because I am not so comfortable being able to quickly destroy activations. Uh, they don't quickly destroy much. They very slowly erode everything over time, which is exactly how I believe they were designed, which makes complete sense, and I like it. Um, so I think that's a very good point to pay attention to for anybody. I think it's, it's a very good advice. Um, was there anyone else, uh, Chris or Brett? Yeah, sure. I think I think for the for sorry, Chris, I'm just no. Mr. Interrupted today. <laughs> That's right. I did it on purpose. I'll, I'll bet. Okay. No, I, I I just think the direct answer to the question is for the most part, uh, going from five to two to four three. I'm I'm normally pretty comfortable. Um, I think outside of free folk, the cheapest um, combat unit that you're going to get on the field is a uh, five. So if I'm giving up probably a five or six point unit to take a three or four point NCU, that could mean something like upgrading a unit of mountains men to Knights of Castle Rock. And if I've got four really, really strong combat units, uh, speaking with like Lannisters or Baratheons or something like that, I feel pretty comfortable, you know, putting four pretty good units on the field and then my three NCUs on the board. And I guess just to reemphasize what Ben said, I've been saying it for a long time when I was defending Varys and I was kind of outraged by the, the, the nerf to Varys for five points. I mean, he nailed it. It's, it's zone replacement effects, particularly the ones that give you a free charge. I, I won't say that they broke the meta, but those, those particular you know, abilities to replace a zone with something critical like a charge, it's almost like giving you another activation on the field. So... Um, that's for me kind of what kind of what did it for me. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I blame everything on Starks and Free Folk, but that's what it was. I got tired of getting <laughs> fainting maneuvered, just like Ben said. You know, I, I claimed my two zones, and now they've got two zones open. It's a double fainting maneuver, a double sudden – well, I guess it can't be a double fainting maneuver. They have to claim the, the maneuver zone. But uh, it's a double sudden charge. It's a double orders to destroy. It's, it's things like this, and it's just like, man <laughs> – 
I guess my best bet is to take three NCUs and, and cover up some of the zones and, and make them at least telegraph their sudden charge play because if you have two and they have three, they can wait you out until the end. And it's like, well, do they have sudden charge or just, or is it just because they didn't really care about claiming the crown right now? But at least if you've got the three, you can make them kind of show their hand like, well, the way that you're acting, I can tell that you have a sudden charge and you're waiting to go onto the board as a result. So that's kind of what did it for me. So as a result of those super powerful zone activation replacements that need the board, I I feel fine when I have three NCUs and four combat units because I feel like I can defend myself better against those plays. I remembered what I was going to nice. say. It's all because of Brett. Thanks, Brett. So I was going to say, in response to Jose's question, uh, I'm not comfortable as neutrals having four units on the field. My units are way too glass cannon and... Like, one mistake, and I'm down to three units, and that's that's terrible. Especially because, generally, I'm running Cutthroats and Bastards Girls, so they don't they don't take a hit well. I guess if you have the right cards, they can, but I, I don't like having to rely on getting the right cards. I don't think that's a smart way to play. So, that's what I was going to say. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> and then uh, we'll go with Chris next, uh, but then after that we have a... Uh caller that I'm going to bring on. I believe they have a question. Um, but yeah, Chris, what do you think about that? So typically when I go into list building, I actually pick my NCUs first, especially my free folk one. I pretty much take the same three every time, which is Steyr, Egret, and Val. So I know my 10 points I have there and everything else is just the extra I have filling in. And then, you know, for free folk, I just like lots of combat units. So it ends up being a lot of raiders, maybe a giant or followers of bone or something thrown in there. But typically, even when I was doing Targaryens too, I started out, figure out which two NCUs I wanted, and then build things around that. So I like personally the combat field. So I don't really like sacrificing more to the NCU board. And, you know, like we've said, it all depends on if your field can take the hit and your board maneuvers or whatever can compensate for the extra guy missing on the field. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's all going to come down to, you know, preference and the way you like to build. I know when I start my lists and how I build them, first thing I do is I, I find what unit I want my commander to go in. And that's, kind of how I do it. I, and then I build all of my combat units and I see how many points I have left over for NCUs. And then if after picking my two NCUs, I go, you know what, I re-look over my list and I determine whether or not I can make room for an, a third NCU now because, you know, I've been trying to give it more of a fair shake. But uh, with that said, I'm going to bring on our guest uh, thank you for calling in. Uh, what was your question? Oh, hi, guys. Uh, I'm Cyrus from Kansas City. I'm actually the guy that won the 2D terrain from a couple of weeks ago in the meme contest. I really appreciate that stuff. Those things are really cool. They haven't hit the table yet. Um, but, yeah, they're pretty awesome. Um, so I was thinking I, – I saw your guys' question uh, on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I got some thoughts about that. And, uh, so a couple quick thoughts uh, before I get to my question. 
Uh, I started the game as a Stark player. I love the Starks, but then I picked up the Night's Watch, and I probably consider them my main faction right now. And the Night's Watch have a few uh, interesting considerations that they have to think about when they talk about their NCUs. One, you want good coverage on the board for their vow effects. So you're thinking you don't want to run three NCUs so you can make sure that you get the zones that you need to trigger the vows that you want. But also that their conscripts are four points like most NCUs are. So when you're list building, you're thinking, do I want this third NCU or do I want a whole nother unit on the field? Uh, and then my last thought was uh, if you are in a game with three NCUs and happen to be running a core and half hand and realize I don't really need this third NCU anymore, his ability to just kill himself off and be able to shut down an entire enemy unit for a round is, in, is pretty beneficial. So if you're teetering on, do I really need three NCUs or two NCUs, bring it Corrin, and he has a very powerful ability, and you're not really losing much because you weren't really stuck on three NCUs for the game. That's a good point. And uh, for me, I think Half-Hand is arguably the best NCU in the entire game just because him this is just my personal opinion. I think his influence effect is worth four points. So that added uh, ability to kill himself off to shut off, you know, potentially, you know, a 12 point unsullied Swordmaster uh, unit with a, with the attachment <laughs> for a round can be huge because, you know, with the way they change the wording, I mean, they can't even make actions. Like, not only can they not activate, they can't make any actions. So, um, yeah, doing something like that is definitely uh, really, like, a really strong move to do, running uh, three NCUs with one being half-hand. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually used that to good effect. If you get a unit out on the field that's in trouble and you want to keep them alive, you can kill them off or you can do it proactively and, and be able to eliminate a unit from even moving and you'll be able to outflank them and maybe get them next round. Uh, but my question would be is that since I started as a Stark player and uh, for the vast majority of the time when I first started, I was running two NCUs. Then when the lockdown happened and I started playing more on Tabletop Simulator and I started playing some international players, I'm like, man, everybody's running three NCUs. Maybe I should think about it. However, when you're talking about as a Stark player and you're, you're looking at those replace effects, it doesn't really hurt you as much to run two NCUs considering if they're running three and you're running two, you still have that zone open if you want it later on in the round to be able to trigger a sudden charge. So it might not be as important when you have those replace effects yourself to run three NCUs as opposed to two. Yeah, and for the longest time, uh, why I didn't want to run three was for if I faced someone who had three. I didn't like knowing that even though half the half the time I'd be able to stop them from their third NCU from taking a spot, I didn't like knowing that half the time I had a guy that uh, wasn't able to take a spot. Granted, it's a little different now because uh, you can still at least activate them to – count as having the activation, whereas early on that wasn't the case and you'd just lose out on the activation altogether. But, um, yeah, it's it's definitely something to think about. 
It's it's crazier to think about when you think about uh, NCUs that have abilities when they trigger on their activation, like Melisandre. She doesn't even have to have a board open to be able to trigger her ability, which is also ridiculously powerful. So, like, you wouldn't even have to be too worried about being blocked off in that situation. So running three NCUs doesn't even hurt you. Yeah, and with that said, I'm surprised, uh, like, in hindsight of, you know, everything uh... – you know, from where we're at in the game with uh, influences, that influences would have to claim a spot to influence. It'd be nice if influences just, you know, if there was no spot on the board, if when they activate is when their influence took effect. Um, That would not make it so bad. You know, you would only be losing the board, kind of like how you would be only losing the board with Melisandre. But uh, most other NCUs, you know, they're, you're doing nothing with them. They're just now giving you an activation. So I think that would entice people to run three more often if influence effects or other effects like uh, like that were able to trigger on. Um, and maybe not the timing of it when activating, but uh, just be allowed to influence yeah, I agree completely. Think? Hey, guys, uh, no, I, I agree. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll hop off here and uh, let you guys get back to it. All right. Thank you for calling in. Thank Thanks, you. man. No All right. And then anyone else listening out there, if you want to call in, you know, get your uh, two cents in, or if you have a question for uh, any of the hosts or uh, our guests, um, feel free to call in. We'll try to squeeze you in. Um, with that said, uh, what act, I'll go around uh, and ask everyone what activation count, even though I'd agree with Brett that it's it's generally it's seven to eight-ish. You know, sometimes you see nine, sometimes you see people, you know, going with only six, but uh, I'd agree that it's usually seven to eight. And um, I'll go around and ask what you guys try to aim for when you're building your list. Me, it is that seven to eight. Um, I do my absolute best to never have less than seven. And whenever possible, if I can scoot that seven activations up to eight, that's what I try to aim for. Now, if I can get more than eight, that's, you know, that's just awesome. But uh, seven to eight is kind of where I'm at. What about you, Ben? Uh, I I never run six. It's always seven, and the only way I get to eight is either dropping all my attachments or taking the high sparrow to get to eight. So it's tough, but uh, I I think seven. That being said, I have lost to people who who bring six. I mean, it's not impossible. So it it does work sometimes, but seven to eight is I think the max for most factions other than free folk and stock. Yeah, which would be nice. Um, I don't know what Simon has planned for the wolves in the future, but it would be really nice if they turn them, you know, not into their own activation, kind of like just turn them into like bears or something with free folk. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily fix how many more activations free folk can run, but that's kind of a free folk's thing. That's kind of where their strength lies uh, because they have such weak units. Um, weak to like mid-range units, uh, but Starks in general they have 
really strong units. So I would definitely be okay with seeing the wolves kind of disappear as being their own activation. Because without the wolves, you bring Starks pretty much back down to all the other factions as far as how many activations they're going to have. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I've I've just kind of started to dab in the in the start game a little bit, and I started playing free folk a little bit as well. Um, primarily with Lannisters and Night's Watch, I was in the seven to eight range. Uh, if I brought Jon Snow, it was an an eight activation list. Um, when I was playing Flaidmen before they got their change, I was adamantly at the seven mark. Um, uh, with Alistair, it's usually around seven. And then, like I mentioned, with Tyrion or Joffrey, I'm in the seven department. And with the High Sparrow, maybe eight. With Starks, I aim for nine. But I've, I'm I, I'm a heretic Stark player because I've just never, ever, ever bought into Hallen Reed, nor do I really ever have any desire to play him. I'm, uh, I'm all Rob all day, every day. <laughs> Yeah, he's the worst commander, so I'd understand why you'd want to try to boost his numbers. <laughs> Rude. Rude. <laughs> Jose, uh, where are you sitting at for uh, how many activations you try to shoot for? Uh, well, like I said, I usually go for seven. Um, with Baratheons, for sure seven. With Starks, I can sometimes get eight. Uh, with Starks, the, the problem is is that, so like, right now with Baratheons, I feel comfortable at 7 because their attachment game right now is kind of not good. Um, like, so I, I, it's easier for me to go for forego attachments. But, like, you know, when I play Starks or when I have played um, Night's Watch, I like their attachments a lot. So that becomes, like, you know, it becomes a constant, like, well, do I play attachments or do I put units or whatever? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I usually can get eight. With Night's Watch, I actually had a, uh, a hard time. Usually for Night's Watch, I had six, um, activations. Now, granted, when I played Night's Watch, the conscripts weren't out or anything. So, I had six activations only. And I actually got rid of them for that reason, because I was like, man, I, being out-activated sucks. <laughs> So I stole all my night jobs, but uh, like I said, they, it was kind of more earlier on, and um, and I liked their attachments, and so you know I, I had I had a hard time fitting everything I wanted in there, so I dumped I dumped them for that specifically for that reason for the activation. Um, but yeah, I would say for most armies, like we said already, like ex- excluding free folk and Starks, uh, the sweet spot is probably going to be seven. I would say just in general. How about you, Chris? So I know you play free, uh, folk, free Folk, so... <laughs> you know, even with Free Folk, I do like a lot of Raiders, but, you know, I do throw my fair share of followers of Bone and Giants in there, so it only ends up being more in the nine-ish range of activations. But and when we were messing around with Targaryens, it was pretty solid at the seven-point mark. We had the two NCUs and about five combat units. Granted, we had the Unsullied in there, and I had to compensate that with some Stormcrow mercs, but I think with with those guys, seven was pretty much where it was at. 
And then Starks, when I started playing, I only did the two NCUs. But usually I had pretty common was five combat units. So I have, well, then the dogs. So I think we had those like eight-ish. Because I liked umbars, so I snuck a lot of points into those. So seven seems to be my sweet number for anything that's not free folk. Now, really quick question for you guys. <laughs> this is this is just for fun. What do you guys think? Like, how uh, if you were to build a list for free folk specifically that was more of an elite list, what's the lowest amount of activations you need to you could get for an elite free folk? Uh, elite? I mean, I would if I'm running elite. Uh, it's either all giants or a, like completely followers of bone slash like panic related because uh, with the increase to followers of bone I think they definitely have a good shot uh, you just unfortunately the followers of bone kind of theme is like a in my opinion sort of like a watered down Lannister like mountainsman version only because by running a more elite list, you lose that on the tactics deck for free folk. Whereas like a Lannister mountainsman slash, you know, type list, your deck is really boosting that. Otherwise I think, you know, mountainsmen and followers of bone are, uh, you know, pretty close in strength. But, um, has anyone else dabbled in Free Folk to be able to kind of weigh on that uh, question? Uh, I brought Free Folk to CanCon, and I won with them. Um, but I, I don't think that's representative. Um, but <clears throat> I think uh, seven activations is kind of the minimum, but I would actually, if it, in hindsight, I would have aimed for eight. Um, the problem with the Raiders is that there are six points for two of them, and that only gives you a one activation advantage, which means you're normally going to have to bring four to get a real activation advantage on an opponent. Um, that brings you up to maybe like nine. If you don't bring two, uh, four Raiders, it's going to be hard for you to get to nine. So, yeah, I think elite free folk would need to have about eight. Yeah, and you're probably still stuck with, you know, trying to, like you were saying, the two raiders to kind of bulk your numbers up for activations. But, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I think I own, like, four followers of Bone just because I like the unit so much, and then, you know, run, like, uh, Rattleshirt uh, Commander and, you know, toss some other stuff in there somehow. But, uh, Justin, uh Going back to you, what uh, what would you put your uh, activations that you aim aim for? It's seven or eight, and then, well, seven or eight with neutrals. Um, I if I go any lower, I'm I'm gonna lose, and if I get, I'm not actually sure I can get higher than eight, no matter what I do. Hold on, let me let me do the math. No, no, I I can't. <laughs> I physically, I'm unable to get past eight. <laughs> So I go with that. Uh, with Baratheons, I do actually like running eight. I feel like their strength is in their Warden. Uh, but I guess with Rose Knights, that kind of changes up. Seven to eight more than enough. I think I still happen to have eight with two Rose Knights. 
Yeah, just three wardens, two rose knights, and some NCUs. Having three point NCUs is so nice. I should really switch factions permanently. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. It's like a whole new world that I've been missing out on. So, uh, yeah, uh, definitely anything lower. If I'm at six, I want to cry. I mean, I have flayed men. <laughs> Four flayed men and, uh, you know, two NCUs. Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> With that said, has anyone here played one NCU? I have. The only time and it the went only time I've done really that, bad. Oh I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say I have and it went really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you definitely need two. The only time I, I have before is if I'm playing, like, um, I don't know, like a demo game, and there's, like, 30 points or something. I don't know, like, just whatever. But, like, competitively, I've never run one into you just because I don't see that being, like, I don't know. I mean, there's I, you, I feel like you at least need two. Because you need you need the board you need some board control. Like having one puts you at like such a huge disadvantage. Even though you probably have more stuff in the field, I don't think it'll outweigh the board. And it, for for that, um, for two two versus three, it might be different. But like you know, one versus three or one versus two, I think it puts you too uh, too much of a disadvantage. Yeah, my game uh, was against Brett. We did a, a fun uh, casual game when we came, when I went out there. It was uh, Howland as my only NCU. It was five Umber Great Axes before they got changed with the Umber Champion that was the the newer Umber Champion. So you're hitting on twos with like an insane number of attacks, and I was like, "This is gonna be awesome!" And yeah, it, it went really bad. <laughs> I can vouch for that. I watched and I was like, mm, this looks great. I though to be fair, I did it to see if, you know, to kind of prove a point that it was way too powerful of a unit. But um granted the Umber Great Axes have changed, but back then I even after losing that game I still held the same opinion. Uh Brett just got some really good uh charges off and was able to decimate the units before they could really uh, put in their put in a lot of their damage. But uh, yeah, so one NCU, not I do not advise it. But if that is how you like to play, then you know by all means. <laughs> but one NCU definitely does not give you a lot of leeway and lets your opponent take too much uh, freedom from the tactics board. So, uh, well, Ben, I've got some stats coming in from Carlo that I can start to share here. Uh, obviously, okay, Carlo, uh, uh, he's a friend of the show. Uh, ben, also a friend of the show. And uh, Carlo keeps track of these stats on the songoficeandfirestats.com. They're drawn from real-life games, and a lot of these stats are taking data from some of those huge online tournaments where we've had 64 players and uh, – you know, guys playing from across the world, and that's where these stats come from. But with that said, when we're talking about the activation advantage and how big is it, if you've got one more activation than your opponent, you have a 56 to 44% win rate. 
meaning 50%, 56% of the time you win if you have one more activation. You lose 44% of the time if you have one less activation, or you would lose 50. I screw these stats up every time. If you have one more activation, you're winning over 50% of the games. It's 56%. If you have two or more activations, you are winning 66% of those games. So that's pretty substantial. So two-thirds of the time, basically, if you have two more activations than your opponent, and this is all factions considered, you are winning two-thirds of those games. So the activation number definitely matters. The activation count definitely matters. And like I said, these are stats contributed by players from across the world, and it's from real live tournament data. So we appreciate that, Carlo. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, with that said, would you say that free folk uh, are maybe an outlier in those stats just because uh, with them having so many more activations, you would think that they would be winning a bit more? Granted, they are among – they're up there. They're, I believe, like the third best faction if you go by – the stats. I think the site, according according to stats, they're back in number one again. Um, oh, so nice. With that, with that said, I think that if anything, um, some of the free folk like uh, weird like ten raider lists that just don't necessarily work out probably are skewing those numbers a little bit. I think the primary driving force in that uh, extra activation advantage is coming from Starks and. Again, I really like Starks, but it is what it is. And another stat that he came up with in that big 64-man event, and this, this stat is mind-blowing. The 10 activation Stark lists, no matter who they face, even in a mirror match of like a 9 activation Stark list, no matter what, if a 10 activation Stark list was played, it won 76% of all the games that were played, which is just, that's in, that to me, that's incredible like one particular style of list. So that's going to be essentially like a Rob with three NCUs and all three direwolves, or it's going to be a Howland Reed list. And, and the, the fact that they won 76% of the time is just insane to me. And, and for the record, my roots list, my backup list, like one of the only times I ever made a non-Rob list, I didn't run it at all, but it was a 10 activation list. Uh, I stuck with my nine activation Rob the whole event and I was able to win second place. But, yeah, that's mind-blowing to me, 76% of the time. Ben, uh, how do you feel about some of those numbers? Uh, yeah, I think I think um, activations is kind of the meta. I, I hope they fix it because I don't think that's what was intended game design-wise. Um, but I don't know what they intended, obviously. Um but I, I do hope that it changes so that people can be flexible and if they want to bring two NCUs, they don't find it as such a such a burden to always bring three. Um, but certainly the activation meta is, is the way to go now. There's no way around it. Competitively, if I bring 10 activations and I out, and I out-activate you by, let's say, three, if you're bringing seven, um, I, I probably would destroy you. Uh, I, I let you go first on turn one, and I'll just set up everything for turn two, and then I go first and I out-activate you. Uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad, especially with stops. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's the thing. Um, oh, go ahead, Jose. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up first. I was just going to say that uh, that's a good point about being so outactivated that uh, so for those that listen to our we did one episode about going first and deployment and all like the nuance sort of things and I made it pretty clear in that show that I love going first. Uh, I know a lot of people like going second but I like going first because it allows me to take either the maneuver or the mail first turn based on which one I think is more important. But then second turn, my opponent may have the first charge, but then that allows me to take the free attack. But if you're running so many more activations, you can force. So let's say I'm in that situation. You could then force me to make the first charge or do nothing or, uh, and, or by that time, so many things have already happened that they just cover up the attack. So that way my potential advantage goes away. I can't tell you how many games I've won simply from one very short interaction. And that's me throwing my unit all the way up the field, them wanting to get the first charge. I play set for charge and take the free attack and then normal attack for three attacks, kill your unit second turn and from there, it's just downhill. But with just having that many more activations, you could completely take that away from, you know, one of my advantages. Uh, so I just wanted to bring up that that was a good point. What are you going to say, Jose? I was, I was going to ask you with, you know, with, with the stats that were just read and, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, Ben mentioned like, oh, if I activate you, you know, he'll – so usually win and stuff like that. I just I was just curious on your guys' opinion. Uh, it, what faction scares you the most to, if you're out activated against it, right? So like for example, for me, like if I'm out activated by free folk, I'm not as like nervous about it because I kind of expect it, and I'm typically I can like maneuver it around because like you know I think their units are a little weaker usually, um, with, with the exception of a few, but for the most part, a little weaker and more manageable. But, like, uh, being out-activated by, you know, a Stark list sometimes can be kind of uh, intimidating, right? So, for me, at least. Uh, so, like, what what faction do you not like to be out-activated by? Oh, Starks, right? Starks <laughs> are the worst. Because, okay, so, so we always engage at, um, I mean, I don't think, I, I think most of us would agree we don't, roll for charges that are more than a three. If it's a four plus, you probably don't want to roll that charge. You don't want to take that chance. No, that you might we do. disorder. You, you guys do? <laughs> no, no, not me. Chris no, does. We I don't. don't. Chris does. No, but like, 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 like commonly, like you, you, you would, you would, you would have yeah. a game pivotal charge on that, on that disorder on a 50, 50. Like it, it, it would be, it would be quite surprising. Uh, and and Starks are the one faction that can stay at you know eleven inches, and they've got four cards in their deck. They've got Devastating and Swift, both of which can close that distance really quickly. They've got Sansa, which makes that five card, uh, which makes those four cards become five cards. So uh, you know, on a turn when they outactivate you, they can just stay out of your reach, but choose when to engage and everything. So. I, I personally think stocks are the worst to be out engaged by, uh, out, out activated by. 
because they can choose everything on the board. I completely agree. I struggle the most with them out activating me. Plus, their movement is so fast for no reason. <laughs> like maneuvering is such a huge advantage in this game that it kills me every time. I'm not bitter about Starks. Everyone knows that. I love them. <laughs> I may or may not have you know a part to play in that. <laughs> I don't like Blackfish at all. He's scum. I mean, I agree with Justin and Ben. As as a free folk person, there's been times even I am out activated by a Stark person. <laughs> and Which is no. Right. And if you're sending like a three point raider unit into something, no matter what you're thrown into, more than likely that unit is not gonna die. You throw like the five point Stark Sworn Sword, charge them into something, you're gonna do heck of a lot more damage with that thing than you are with my raiders. And to get up to that nine, a lot of my units are gonna be raiders. So just because I have a lot of guys out there doesn't mean they're going to be doing a whole lot. As in the Stark one, pretty much all their units have decent offensive capabilities. I mean, obviously not Tully's, but I mean, even they do more. They have seven attacks. Oh, well, we're talking about Tully sworn shields or Cav. Well, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Stark's is, is... What have you, Brett? Uh, yeah. I mean, I gotta, I gotta throw another log on the fire. It's gotta be sharks. Um, I hate <laughs> dogpile on 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 my current boo, but yeah. I mean, when I when I face a shark player, particularly if they've got Tully Cab across the field, it's like uh, so bad. It's, I mean, and Ben nailed it again. I mean, with devastating impact, it's like well. They've got devastating impact, and they've got the horse. So I've got to be like 30 inches away from them, I think, to be safe. They've got a charge, and I'm just actually going to retreat as far back as I can. But yeah, I mean, he's right. It's it's the it's the combos that they can pull. Like, I'm not harping on them or anything, but it's like, man, it, it would be nice if they were like super duper mobile, and maybe they didn't have insane, ridiculous combos like. I mean, again, I've played Starks, and the number of times I just was getting my ass kicked at the beginning of the game, and, like, I made a comeback with a unit of Berserkers and, and Rob Swords. Like, how did I win this game? I had no business winning this game. Well, my magical deck, and, you know, it made ends it, it meet for me. Like, I, I'm not even going to lie. It's like, I, I you, you probably should have beaten me. You killed my... My two cavalry units straight away, you did everything right, and then the cards fell in place. I got the horse, and there was one game in particular. I, I was playing at the, uh, this Australian event, uh, Assault on River Run, and I ended up playing Devastating Impact three times in one round, and I controlled the horse from the beginning of the round. So it's like, man, I feel really bad, but I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> Devastating Impact you, and I'm charging you for 12 inches, and there I killed a unit. And it's really bad because I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, all right, one more time. I'm going to, I'm going to sans the devastating impact. And I'm going to do it one last time. It doesn't sound like you really felt very bad about it, though. Yeah, you were just chasing <laughs> that victory. You had no pity. 
no pity. It was yeah. merciless. I, yeah. Just wait the I, next... I, uh... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just saying that you guys make it sound like I have a black soul. <laughs> like, wow. I felt, I felt a little bad, okay? Did you? It's charcoal. It's not black. It's light black. <laughs> but... Uh... I was going to say, watch, next uh, Stark Hero Box 3 is going to have a commander that replaces, I don't know, like Dire Wars Fervor for a second uh, set of devastating impacts, but with the sword. (laughs) 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 It's just going to be Khal Drago's card. (laughs) I would would Um, take a sabbatical from the game until they straighten that out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why don't you just? I like this. <laughs> no, I like to bounce. I like to bounce around factions a little bit. Okay, I don't want to feel obligated to play Starch to be competitive. Okay. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to uh, kind of be the odd one in this and say that uh, it's probably because I play Starks um, that unless I feel my opponent is very experienced, Starks are usually what I like to see the most. I'd, I'd love to play Starks every round as my opponent. If I'm confident, I can outplay my opponent. And even if they have more activations than me. Uh, the one faction that I can't stand being out-activated by, uh, even by one, but especially more than one, is Night's Watch. Uh, for me, Night's Watch out-activating me when I know that they have such elite strong units uh, with their vows and combos that uh, Night's Watch are what kind of scare me, especially if they're running half-hand now and at late game uh, they can kill that off and either still be even or more activations than me uh, to then completely shut off one of my key units at a key moment. Uh, So I would have to say Night's Watch. Um, Now if my opponent is a very uh, experienced player, then I probably put Stark way up on that list. Probably number two um, for me. How how often are you out activated by Night's Watch as a Stark player though? Like wh- how is how does it even happen to you? Uh, well, if I'm at seven and they're at eight, I mean, um, even if it's just by one, uh, being out activated uh, can really hurt just because, you know, Sworn Brothers are Sworn Brothers and Mets are just so strong, uh, especially if you have that uh, tracker uh, unit to, for support to ping some, uh, some arrows into you and vulnerable you for a, a Sworn Brother charge, uh, especially if it's like Watcher on the Wall charge from the side. Uh, so auto-activating in that regard. Uh, that and, you know, you kill a unit and then they take an NCU off the board to then replace the NCU and then get a free attack. So it's just certain combos like that can really be devastating in the activation category. Um, but it's not all the time. Um, a lot of my lists will be like seven or eight. So if I'm running that seven activation list and they have that eight, which tend to, tends to be more often than not lately, um, because like Brett was saying, uh, his one list, uh, his John John list, I believe you said is eight. Uh, it sounds like the list that I usually face, or at least a variant of it. 
Yeah, it's it's eight. It's it's one of my uh, go-to lists. Um, I actually used it in the the tournament that uh, Ben and I played in, um, where I, I lost to. <laughs> we both actually lost to to Mr. Michelle Rumsbums, the uh, the free folk uh, perennial champion. But uh, the list was uh, John Snow and veterans, another unit of just veterans, Sworn Brothers, Trackers, Ghost, uh, Amon, Donald Noy, and Crafter, and it's probably is as horrible to play as it sounds. It's, it's, it's incredibly defensive. And then, you know, it's just the, the home run hitting unit with the uh, sworn brothers. But, you know, when you play it right and you kind of shield with those uh, two units of veterans, when you've got Amon and Donald Noy, like it's, it's a serious deterrent to anyone charging into it because, uh, you know, the potential for a two plus save with counterattacks does a lot of lifting and it. It ends up being a lot stronger than what people think when you bounce, you know, six or seven hits back to them because of Donald Noy. So, but that's, that's how I run the, the eight activation John Snow at the moment. Yeah. And I think a lot of it plays, plays into just, I guess, my experiences and most of the major events I've ever played in, I've played uh, Gary Luther quite a bit back when he was huge uh, Night's Watch, like all the time. And, you know, my main list almost never lost ever. Uh, at Adepticon, I played in uh, four tournaments, of which I only lost twice. I played Gary four times, one in each of the four tournaments, and I only lost twice that whole week, and both losses were to him and his Night's Watch uh, with his, uh, I believe, eight activations. And it just, it really, uh, you know, got to me that, you know, I kept, I kept feeling I was being um, outplayed in, in those two games. I mean, granted, I won two as well against him, and we played relatively the same list against each other, just different missions. But it was just in those two games, one in particular, he just obliterated me. Uh, we each had uh, a game where we won by, like, a major victory, and then our other two games, we each won one where it was very close. So, um, I'd watch for me. I think a lot of it just comes down to uh, just personal experience. Um, you know, maybe those games just kind of stick out in my mind quite a bit. And so mentally, you know, I, I hate having to face them. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I I think it is based off of everybody's experience. And then after hearing you guys talk, I guess when when you bring down snow or have like an MCU commander, I guess you could be regularly out activated if you have like, especially if you're starts and you have like a more elite list, I guess. So I mean, that makes sense. So interestingly, I guess I'm going to spin this off a little bit. Unfortunately for everybody, I'm going to be the, the show master for a second. But uh, um, Ben, this kind of leads me into a question I'm actually pretty curious about. Um, there seems to be a, a kind of a, an opinion that maybe the Night's Watch has fallen off as one of the top tier armies. How are they doing out there for you? Because uh, personally, I, I still think they're really strong. I'm a little bit more afraid of Starks, but... Uh, you know, Dave bringing up the, the watcher on the wall to the flank with Sworn Brothers, it's still every bit as deadly as it ever was. So how are they, how are they doing out there for you? Uh, I think they've fallen off in terms of popularity. 
uh, a little bit because they've got all the new shiny Baratheons and um, Targaryens. But if you ask me power-wise, I mean, um, if you guys watched my channel, um, Blitz Minis, it's uh, we did a, a bad rep when 1.5 dropped and the Swan Brothers were changed in points. And I had Eric on, who is the resident Night's Watch player, and he was adamant that it was a buff and it wasn't a nerf. Um, the eight dice now for Swan Brothers. So I, I think they are still very, very powerful. And if you want to enrage your opponent, you could just bring a stone thrower and get lucky. And it doesn't matter how good the opponent is, you know. <laughs> he, if 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 you if you're on a roll, he's just gonna sit there and watch his his army be decimated. Mm, I would. I would the, yeah. They'd lose a miniature two, that day. Two stone throwers <laughs> with Yarwick. Uh, and if you don't have like a, a fast army, I almost guarantee that unless they roll really bad, you're gonna die uh, because you get rerolls with one of them every turn. With, as long as uh, Yarwick can replace a spot to go grab the rerolls, so you have one hitting on three and one. What was that? I said, and why wouldn't he? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you wait to do it until last and they're, you each have three, I, I guess, I mean, is what I'm getting at. If they block a spot, you, they force you to have to do it early. But so you have one stone thrower hitting on threes, and then you have the second one hitting on threes with re-rolls. And then on averages, if both hit every turn, granted that's not going to happen, but on average, it should, both of them should hit more often than not. If both hit, and just do average wounds, you kill a unit exactly. Like, on averages, it comes out to 12 wounds between two stone throwers, and that's without panic checks. So let's say you hit with uh, three of the six rounds, that's three dead units, especially if you can get, like, two dead units in the first, like, two or three turns, and then just let a wave of conscripts <laughs> clean up everything else. Yeah, it's... But then again, you could roll all misses, and then it could be completely opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, with the new senior builder, you can drop all the um, the stakes, right? Which makes it even harder for them to come off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like they want people think... to just not actually get to use their army. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. if, if you run into like a top tournament player like Brett, just do that, you know, just just deny <laughs> him the win. Stop him. Stop him. Don't let him take the champion's token. <laughs> I think Greyjoys would be a nice, uh, sounds like they'll be a nice counter to any sort of list like that. So, <laughs> but I don't know, I contemplated uh, running like my double stone thrower list as like a backup list just because, you know, if I see someone run something crazy, stupid, I'll just think, okay, I'll, I'll run this. And then, you know, especially if it's like just all wardens as they're moving four inches across the table, the whole game. <laughs> Man, but I'd, I'd like then. voodoo up your dice and make sure you miss every single one. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that conscripts have the uh, insignificant, you know, they're, the list I had before becomes a lot, a lot more better, a lot more gooder. However you want to, however you want to feel. Doing great. It becomes so, better. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll, we'll go with that one. Sounds okay. 
Um, but what, two stone throwers, 20 points. I think it was like four conscripts, so four times four, 16. And then he took Othel Yarwick and then a four-point NCU. I think at the time it was Amon, but uh, I'd run half-hand now. So <laughs> You're hurting my feelings. It's odd. I you half- don't run Barrett just in case of Walder. I would run I would run Barris personally. If they Walder well, one you of your throwers, it hurts me. You can't though. You only have four points. Oh no! You, yeah, I would. You I would said run, Walder uh, in my head. Harley I'm can... thinking run Walder. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I would run Barris to stop Walder. Well, does um, what's his face? I know a little off track, but uh, half hand. Okay, he influences the infantry. I was gonna say if he influences stone thrower. I mean, granted, you know, it would just be plus one attack, but that just means you'd have two dice hitting on threes, and you only need one of them to go through to trigger the effect. <laughs> oh, that but, would be brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I think they did that on purpose because of yeah. the stone thrower and the scorpion. Yep. Uh, scorpion, I'm surprised more people don't run that. Really good uh, really good uh, unit if you're as long as you're good with positioning. But uh, anyways, back on track with the NCUs and all that. Um, so, uh, Ben, in what case would you run two NCUs uh, other than maybe like the meta being two NCUs? Because I think you were mentioning how one list you have two and one you have three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, I I bring two um, for very, very elite lists. Um, or if I want to have like real good board control. So uh, I do it for Baratheons. I think Baratheons need the board presence. They rely a lot on having um, the unit or a unit on hand to counter charge if possible. So you need as much board control as possible with Baratheon. So I think two NCUs is possible with them. And then just let your opponent do what they will. Because the more things that your opponent does, the greater chance you have to trigger last stand, ours is the fury, or counter charge. So a lot of counter play. Very, very defensive list. I think some I think Justin was the one who mentioned it. If you're a very defensive list, I think Baratheons are a very counter punch list. So they they could afford two NCUs, yeah. See, that's interesting because Baratheon's been the whole like they're the actual faction that got me more in in the ballpark of three NCUs. Uh I find myself granted that's probably a lot to do with uh just the the starter commanders because they have those two really good uh cards that want you to replace an effect or a spot. Um, so where with uh, um, Stannis, you want to replace the crown. Uh, Renly can replace any spot. So for those sort of like combos, I was more so finding myself wanting to run three NCUs. But I guess with the new commanders, they don't... Uh, Grant, there's a bunch of them. I can't remember of any cards that require replacement effects. I'm sure there's maybe one in there, but... Um, I think maybe with the other commanders, uh, I might 
experiment with two NCUs and see how it goes. But I tend to, I would say, out of any faction, um, uh, well, other than Free Folk, because they have, you know, a bunch of three-point NCU options, uh, out of all the other factions, Baratheons, I tend to lean towards three NCUs more often than not. But then again, I, I sacrifice, uh, as I mentioned before, the attachment points. So normally my Baratheon lists have just the commander in a unit and a bunch of units with no attachments and then the three NCUs. That way I don't uh, lose that uh, board control. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense too. Um, definitely the, the starting ones are the only ones with the replace effects. I don't think any of the new commanders have any replace zone effects, right? Uh, there might be like one in there. It was maybe Loris. I can't remember. There's so many. They added so many commanders, which is awesome. Uh, but I haven't uh, gotten the chance to really look at uh, all the cards yet, um, or uh, I haven't gotten a chance to like play through them and use the cards yet. But, um, but yeah, uh, was there anything anyone else uh, wanted to add in there into the topic? Anything that's come to mind? Well, here in Asia, we we haven't gotten the Baratheon Heroes 1 and 2. <laughs> I know it's weird, but I think everything got sent to <laughs> Europe and the US. And I'm, I'm not even joking. I mean, the whole of Asia doesn't have Baratheon Heroes 1 and 2. So <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance to play with them yet. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've only gotten to play, I want to say, two games with uh, new commanders. Uh and whatchamacallit, uh, one of them I didn't really get to use very much, and uh, which was Andrew. And then, let's see, who else did I use? I want to say I used uh, Axel, and he was pretty cool. But uh, I looked through all the um, the cards really quickly, and yeah, there's only one other person. It's Loris has uh, Growing Strong which replaces a spot. Otherwise, I believe every other commander does not have uh, a replacement. So I might, uh, when I experiment with some of the newer commanders, I might dabble in, uh, you know, two NCUs to see if I can get some uh, of the attachments in there, maybe some attachment points. But I I can't wait for the Rose Knights and the uh, Relore Faithful you know, get them in and uh, start testing them out because uh, both of them look awesome. They do. Tabletop yeah. sim, Dave. Tabletop. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm behind the, the ball on that one. I have a bunch of lists made and saved and ready to be played, but uh, things are, you know, hectic with school. Like, class technically ended, but uh, I have a bunch of, like, clinical time and a bunch of other random stuff that I have to get done before they officially graduate me and I can go take the the, um, the state test so or the, the national test. So um, I haven't gotten a chance to play Tabletop Simulator yet, unfortunately, uh, so I'm behind the ball on that one. But anyone listening, uh, I would, even though I have not been able to play it yet, I definitely recommend uh, going and trying it out. Uh, 
you do have to buy a tabletop simulator, the program itself. Um, but I think it's only, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett or Ben, I think it's only like 20 bucks or something on Steam. Um, yeah. But uh, the Ice and Fire attachment to it or the, the download, that's all free. Uh, and it comes with everything, and it's very well done and well kept uh, with all the units. As soon as they're um, spoiled, pretty much, you can start using them, with the exception to, like, factions that haven't released yet. It's so, like the Greyjoy stuff. Uh, they haven't been able to put that on there yet because, obviously, there's a lot of missing pieces. But definitely check that out. Uh, there's a huge community for it, and there, you can easily get games in. Uh, there's discords for it. I know you can go on a bunch of different discords and find games for it. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if there's nothing else anyone thought of, I think that kind of wraps up uh, this discussion. Uh, you know, it seems like something that you could easily get through quickly, but there's there's quite a bit to it. Um, it's not so simple as, you know, this is cl- clearly better, always take it no matter what. You really have to base it on what you're playing, how comfortable you feel playing it, and uh, what your play style is, what your meta is, um, you know, whether the meta is more NCUs or less NCUs or what faction even. Uh, that you might see a bunch of uh, might definitely have a imp- uh, a major impact on how you build your list, which I think why we see such a you know difference between uh, here in the U.S. and overseas being primarily two or three NCUs because of just what we see within our uh, our meta. So, um, but yeah. Uh, uh, that... Brett, before okay, we go, go sorry, just uh, if I could make like a just public announcement kind of thing, is that all right? Nope, nope, ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why you the money? <laughs> okay, uh, so guys, um, so on in August, August 9th, which is a Sunday for me, which means it's probably a Saturday for most of you, uh, there is going to be the Simon Expo Asia. And I think they'll be doing it uh, as a virtual thing. So you guys could tune in if the time permits. But we will be having uh, a Q&A with Mike Chanel and Fabio Curry, uh, both the lead game designers for um, Song of Ice and Fire. So uh, if you guys are listening and you have any burning questions that you have, uh, you know, you can either uh, post it on the, the page here, or I think we'll probably have a few people going out and asking and doing polls with the relevant Facebook groups to see what everybody wants to ask. And we'll pick a few questions from there uh, to be asked to Mike Chanel or Fabio Curry. But if we could go around right now and just, you know, if, if you could, if each of you could ask one question to the developers, what would it be? I'll start with you, uh, Jose. Uh, <laughs> start with me, huh? Um, yeah. You're in the spot. I mean, <laughs> um, if I, uh, I mean, I guess if I, uh, I have two, right? I, I, and you said one, but I'm going to do two. I'm going to spot, I'm going to do two. So first one I would say is, um, th- and I, I don't know if these are going to be answered. I mean, this is just, if, if in a perfect scenario, if, if they could answer them, this is what I would ask, which I don't think they could. But I would ask, 
is there plans to make wolves like bears? That's my first question. Second, um, I would love to know what factions are in the agenda for them. Um, and again, I don't think those are both questions that they would answer, but those would be questions that, in a perfect scenario, I would love to ask them and get answers for. All right, I'm going to go next to Rick's uh, silence. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I guess my question for them, since I care a lot about uh, the lore and stuff, what their plans are for fleshing out sub-factions within factions. So we see a lot of factions right now that have one unit, essentially, Kranigman, um, um, Clegane, stuff like that. But then we see others like Boltons, who have four. Uh, I, w- I would love to know... It's not like, you know, obviously they're not going to answer like, oh, we're going to have six units for every sub-faction, but if they plan on at least flushing out mo- all the sub-factions eventually, even if it's years down the road. How about you, all right. Brett? What's the linger in that brain of yours? Oh, boy. So many avenues to go down. He wants no, to know I'm what the prize is off of Gen Con next year so he can win it. That's <laughs> 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 So that's very unlikely. You'll be there next year, right? I'm trying to go to Adepticon, but we'll see. All right, fair enough. All right, no, I'm I'm going to kind of echo what Justin's saying. I'm just very curious if they're going to do something, you know, along the lines of uh, some of the things that we've suggested, I guess, as far as making, making maybe uh, like the Boltons and the Stormcrows, you know, something more focused where they get kind of a buff whether it's whether it's through like a an ability like if you bring all house bolton maybe you get uh some kind of a bonus like uh if your army consists of all house bolton you get plus one morale or if your army consists of all bolton you take one less wound from panic or something like that something to encourage because i i get why they can't make neutral units like as good as they potentially could be because everybody can get their hands on them. But ultimately I think neutrals are a really neat and a really fun faction. And they're kind of like uh, Bretonians in the old Warhammer where like you have really, really loyal guys like Justin who just play them, even though they know that they're maybe not the most optimal for winning a tournament. Like they just play them because they like it. Like I've played Bolton since the beginning. I'm going to play Bolton no matter how shitty they are. But I'm just curious if there's going to be something to, to kind of bring neutrals up to that competitive tournament level because I think I've maybe heard of neutrals winning, like, one tournament. They won, the like, the Las Vegas Open. But for the most part, like, it's, it's definitely not an easy win. But it's like, well, there's 100 players and, and 10 of them are neutrals, so you might be lucky to get a neutral in the top 10. And I think some of the best players are neutral players because they – they play the card game so well and they play the positioning game so well because they have to because it's not like they're not like they're not horrible, but it's like their their army's just not gonna carry itself to victory. So I would be curious in, in seeing what they're gonna do with that. Um, if anything, with you know, doing doing something to benefit all neutral armies. I like how you complimented Justin but chat all over his faction. <laughs> yeah. This is the story of my ice and fire experience. That was a real backhanded compliment right there. <laughs> Don't worry. Next time I drive a car, I'll crash. How dare you, Brett? Only Justin's allowed to talk about him that way. 
<laughs> yeah, you say Playmen are great. I can say they're bad. Justin <laughs> <laughs> plays Bastard Girls really well. Okay, I'll say that for sure. They're my There's puppies. no doubt about that. Who doesn't like puppies? I mean, let's be real. I don't know why everyone doesn't use them just based off the fact <laughs> that they're just slobbery puppies. <laughs> so, I definitely would have to say my question will almost definitely not be answered, and and uh, I definitely don't blame them if they don't answer it. So, my question would be, what is the end goal for this game? Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because I came from Warhammer 40K to this game, and simply because I think it's a better game. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue that GW has some of the most fantastic models out there, and I absolutely love their lore. Um, but as far as the game system, Ice and Fire, in my opinion, blows it out of the water, uh, both casually and uh, competitively, well, especially competitively, because um, it's just, as far as game systems go, it's very fair. Uh, so anyway, so with 40K, you know, you have this ever-evolving you know, lore and things happening and updating of sculpts and, uh, you know, they've been around for a long time while being able to expand on what they have. Uh, with Ice and Fire, I'm just wondering, is there going to be a point where they just say, we're done making minis, this is what you have, this is the game system, we make in here or there to fix anything that's too powerful, but Will there be an end, or are they going to have an ever-evolving uh, game system where they're continuously adding new sculpts, uh, just new units um, to no end? Uh, granted, I think they've already kind of answered that question. I think they said that they have a specific number of units and factions planned, uh, but I guess that would be my question is, is there an end game? Um, and the reason I ask this question is simply because of my wallet. Uh, I collect every single faction, and I do, like, max of every unit pretty much. I, Other than a couple units, or other than, like, one unit for each faction that I do two units of, every other unit is three, four, five, six of each one. Um, and, uh, you know, it can get pretty pricey. So knowing that there is an end would be nice to know, but then again, knowing that there isn't an end would also be nice. You know, it's, it's one of those things where either answer would uh, bring its own, you know, upsides. So that would kind of be my question. And I don't know if they'd be able to answer that because that is a very, very long-term uh, question that, I'm sure every company can't really answer something like that uh, without, you know, having it held against them uh, or being stuck to their answer or having to go against their answer if it ends up not being that way. So I guess that would be my, my question. Otherwise uh, a more, um, a, a different question I would have that I'm sure they would definitely give me an answer for is when are we getting lady? Is it, uh, is it going to be never, or is it going to be, uh, when they finally start to add, uh, pre, uh, prequel, uh, stuff like, uh, Robert Baratheon and all that and Rhaegar and all the, you know, all the stuff from a long time ago. So we'll see. Okay. <laughs> 
Did you write that all down? Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, okay. I, I hope you did. <laughs> I was kidding. He just had his phone uh, next to it, like, with the recording on. He's like, I'm not writing this down here. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll be there with a couple of other the Asian influences. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what questions we want to ask them. They do get to veto, so, you know, they might veto some of these questions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nobody likes my questions well, anyways. I get it. Just ask my question <laughs> Before or at, at the start and at the end, just twice. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe a third time. Yeah, ask it in the middle, but space it out so they might not know the the same question. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So uh, that was August ninth, uh, Sunday. So uh, over here, I believe you're what one. You're like 13 hours different from hours me. Ahead, yeah. yeah, so uh, what time I'm sure you'll be up on you? the Simon page. Uh, I'm sure you'll be up on the Simon page. I don't have the time yet, but um, I'm sure when once they do announce it, they'll put it all over the Simon Expo page and everything. Okay, yeah, so let's yeah. just say that it starts at 10 in the morning. So anyone that's in like central, like uh, around uh, Illinois air, you know, time zone, um, you're looking at uh, 9 p.m. Uh, at night the day before. So if it's on Sunday at 10 a.m., it would be Saturday at uh, 9 p.m. So it's definitely a, a convenient time zone um, or time difference. So those that are out in the U.S. here. Uh, almost no matter what time it starts out there probably should be in a, a very convenient time for you to check it out and, you know, try to get uh, some of your possibly some of your questions uh, answered. Yep. So, yep. There'll be a live uh, chat and everything. So Nice. And then uh, uh, those that have not seen them yet, definitely check out uh, um, Ben is selling a bunch of uh, custom made sleeves for all the factions, um, even Greyjoy, and I have them all, and they're amazing. Uh, way better quality, in my opinion, than the um, than the Fantasy Flight uh, sleeves that you can buy currently. Not only that, if you do plan to um, use sleeve covers to protect the image, uh, the Fantasy Flight sleeves are too long, so they stick out the bottom. Whereas the ones that uh, Ben sells are they fit perfectly in there and they don't stick out at all. Uh, not only that, they're 10 times better of an, of a image um, of art that's on there. So definitely check those out. I don't know what your quantities are looking like. If you're, uh, if you still got a bunch of everything. Oh yeah. MOQs in China are huge, man. So I've, I've got lots. So uh, you can find them guys at <laughs> www.blitzminis.com. Help me out. <laughs> They are wonderful. Favorite sleeves I've ever seen, seriously. I agree. I don't think we're having ones. They're awesome. Thank you, guys. And I I probably am buying some more soon, too, uh, because after buying way more than I probably should have, I did some counts, and I think I still need, like, five more packs. (laughs) Dave has an issue, though. He's super weird about it. You know it would be great? Yeah. Neutral sleeves. I'm just going to say that again like I always do. And that's all. <laughs> I wouldn't mind even a little bit. 
I would pay double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if neutrals are in the works uh, for Ben. Come on, people. <laughs> but I need more neutral players out there. Loyalty. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, Justin, I think you need to create a neutral Facebook group because every <laughs> faction has one, and there is no neutral Facebook group. So. Yeah, because, you know, I'm very good at running Facebook groups. I am talented in that oh, if regard. You, if you create it and make me the administrator, I'll I'll run it for you. I just don't want to make it. <laughs> I can do that. You have to make, All right. You have to make me an admin, too. All right, here's the plan, guys. Yeah, I'm making so he... a neutral group, and we're all joining, and we're going to have a great time only playing neutrals from now on, and it'll force Simon <laughs> to make them the best faction. Yep, and then we're <laughs> going to start a petition for Ben to get some neutral sleeves, because if we can get, like, 500 signatures, I think I think we could convince him to make them. <laughs> yeah, I'll but, do that. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, I think just recently, because... I saw how pretty all the other sleeves were. I uh, went out and bought gold sleeves from my neutral faction now. So they, they got plain gold sleeves. <laughs> so anyways, uh, so we're going to end by doing some shout-outs. Uh, as always, you know, support your local uh, shops. You know, do your best to, you know, see how you can help them out if you're financially able. Uh, I'm not asking anyone if you're not financially able definitely don't uh, stress about it but if you're in the position to do so definitely try to help out your local uh, i'm going to hand it over to brent so he can talk about our amazing tournament happening in a couple weeks all right yeah it's going to be great um i think the last i looked we were at 32 confirmed going and 47 interested so with that in mind, I'm going to have to start reaching out to the guys that are interested to get a commitment from them um, because the limit is 50, but that's the total in the store. And so we've got Shane and some of his employees there, so I really need to start getting a hard count. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be really fun. Um, we are running it through a Song of Ice and Fire stats, so doing the TO is going to be super easy because uh, this is kind of a shout-out to the stats page if you're ever running a tournament. All you have to do is basically you have your players self-report themselves and then their opponent confirms it. And then the whatever algorithm Carlo has designed on that site, it does all of the pairings for you. It does all of the rankings for you. It puts all of their tournament points in. Like the players do the work and then the TO just reads the names. It's super easy. It's super cool. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to run it through the stats page and get some of the stats on there. I am going to go ahead and give a spoiler I have made up my mind. I am running Joffrey at this event. I might lose every single game, but for the love of God, I am running Joffrey. So that is my decision. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, really good chance for you to come kick my teeth in. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But I am adamantly going to run Joffrey at this event. So, uh but at any rate, it's August 1st at Family Time Games. It'll be really fun. We've got some really nice prize support, including some of those sleeves that we just talked about, uh, as well as some other unit boxes that are kind of hard to find. We've got some R'hllor Faithful, some Rose Knights. And then, of course, uh, Shane's always got plenty of Song of Ice and Fire stuff in stock. Come hang out with us. It'll be really cool. We will probably go for dinner and drinks afterwards and just talk about the game and 
uh, it'll just be really fun. So if you can make it to Indy and you're on the fence about it, it's definitely worth coming. And uh, if you can do it, we would love to have you. Yep, and uh, sounds like a good small event. Council. What was that? No, sorry. I just it sounds like a good event. Yeah, it'll be all right if Brett's there. If he isn't, we'll there, pour one out for you, Ben. <laughs> um, small council radio radio will also be. Uh, I believe all but one of us will be there uh, if everything goes as planned. Um, we'll be bringing a bunch of surprise support ourselves to add to the pool. We'll have uh, a bunch of those sleeves that we were just talking about. I believe we have uh, roughly two of each faction, um, uh, one of each from us, and then I think we have one of each uh, in the prize pool already from the shop. Uh, We will be bringing some small council radio dice and a couple other things, some uh, the 2D matte terrain uh, as well, so definitely you know keep that in mind when you're considering uh, coming out. And we're gonna try to uh, split the prize support between both events. So there will be a Saturday event, which is 40 points, uh, single, you know, one-on-one, uh, your you know just your regular type tournament. And then on Sunday we'll be doing a team tournament uh, where it's 25 points a player, and uh, every round. So first round, you're randomly uh, paired with someone. Uh, And then every round after that, if you win, you get paired with someone who lost. And if you lost, you get paired with someone who won. And then scoring, or I should say uh, prizes, will be based on individuals. So obviously, if you're swapping teammates every round, you can't really do like a team award. So both for the main event and for that event, uh, we have gotten medals. we thought about trophies, but we just figured medals were a little more uh, transportable um, and a little more convenient. So we have uh, medals for first place, second place, third place, best sportsmanship, best uh, painted um, for the main event, and be- uh, first place, second place, and best sportsman for the team tournament. So definitely, uh, you know, check that out or, you know, check out the event page and see if uh, it's feasible to go out there. We're definitely going to have an awesome time. Uh, even my wife is going to be entering in the team tournament, and uh, she's super excited about that. Though that means I now have to paint, like, six units of Lannisters, which I'm not excited about, but, you know. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, definitely check that out. And if you're if you don't have a local shop, uh, definitely keep in mind um, uh, either Family Time Games uh, in Indianapolis or Games Plus uh, in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Uh, you know, consider buying some stuff from them if you don't have a local and you want to you know help support some some shops out there. Uh, otherwise. Uh, the last of our shout-outs will be, go to songoficeandfireguild.com. It is a, a one-stop shop for a bunch of content creators of all types. Uh, ben is a part of it. We're a part of it. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire Stats, um, West Coast Bannerman, Mythicos. Um, am I missing someone? Uh, Tabletop uh, Warden from Germany. Yep. So definitely check that out. We got articles. We got uh, battle reports. Um, we have our show. We have a ton of content on there that you can go um, 
find all in one spot. You can find links to all of our individual uh, sites. Uh, but if you want one convenient place to kind of go and see everything, uh, definitely check out. Um, let me see. Uh, I always mess up the acronym because I always call it Ice and Fire. But um, it's oh man, where'd it go? Um, there we go. A S O I A F guild.com. Sorry for that. I had it uh, in my site and then I lost it. But yeah, I, I haven't said that acronym enough times to have it down pat. I need to practice on that. <laughs> so definitely go check out that site. Uh, and I, the site just looks beautiful. It's, it's so well done. Um, I am so surprised at how it turned out. Uh, so check that out. Give uh Give uh, the guild a like and follow on their Facebook page. Uh, share it out whenever you can. Same with our page. Uh, we're still doing the for every hundred uh, likes we get, we're going to be giving out a unit box, and then for every thousand or for every 500 mark, uh, we'll be giving out a starter half uh, of the either Stark or Lannisters. Currently, we're at about 635 likes, I believe. So. If we hit that 700 mark, we'll be giving out a, another unit, uh, and then 800, 900, and then even when we hit 1,000, it's not just the starter half. We'll be giving out a starter half to one person and the unit box to another. So the more you share it out, the more we can get some likes on there. I know there's like 8,000 people on the main page, so there's definitely a lot of room to grow. Uh, and, you know, we do this for you guys, so the more people we can reach, uh, you know, the more uh, – we can kind of get uh, our content out there and, you know, help you guys kind of keep uh, updated with what's what in the ice and fire community. So with that said, uh, join our discord. And if you have any show suggestions, uh, definitely go on there and give us, um, you know, anything that you kind of want to hear about and we'll try to work it into our schedule. And with that, the small council is dismissed. Thank you so much, Ben, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks guys. Bye, Bye Ben. ben.